Hören Sie nun A Closer Look von und mit Dan Rock. Today's segment is titled, American Tornadoes and America's Response for Relief. America may be home to many things. One of them is something Americans have no control over, tornadoes. Each year, the United States is hit by more than an average of 1,000 tornadoes. No other country in the world has more tornadoes than the United States of America. In 1939, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer brought the tornado up close to moviegoers on the silver screen and in Technicolor in the film, which would eventually go on to become a classic, which was called The Wizard of Oz. Starring Judy Garland as Dorothy Gale, in this film, Judy Garland ever so gracefully sung the song, which would go on to receive the Academy Award for Best Original Song, called Over the Rainbow. Like the film, today our aim with this show is to focus on the rainbow after the storm. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind. Troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops. That's where you Wow. 
The sheer raw energy of tornadoes is both frightening and exhilarating. I'm told that the exhilaration is enough to take your breath away. Watching a tornado in a movie doesn't have anywhere near the impact as when one sees and feels the presence of a genuine tornado in real life. People try to flee tornadoes for shelters instead of trying to stand around and watch it. The actual destructive power of a tornado depends both on its size and what kind of wind speed it has gained along its destructive path. The actual number of persons displaced by tornadoes depends on where they strike, whether it's rural or in a city, since tornadoes can happen anywhere. Therefore, it can be tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people displaced by a tornado, depending on the path that the tornado takes. Let's visit now with someone who has dedicated his career to studying all kinds of storms, including tornadoes, and analyzing the data which has been and continues to be collected on them with the goal for saving lives. On the phone, I have Dr. David Gagné, research meteorologist at the National Center for Atmospheric Research in Boulder, Colorado. We're talking today about tornadoes. So in simple language, what are tornadoes? So a tornado is a violently rotating column of air uh, that extends from the ground into the sky. Tornadoes are often found underneath or attached to supercell thunderstorms, which are the parent of the tornado. The supercell is very crucial for actually producing the tornado in the first place. Is it true that the United States experiences more tornadoes each year than any other country on planet Earth? Yes, the U.S. is the location where most tornadoes occur in the world. Tornadoes have been observed everywhere except Antarctica, and there are some areas in the world where they tend to be more common. And the reason why those areas tend to have more tornadoes, particularly the U.S., is because those areas tend to have access to a source of very warm, moist air at the surface, usually coming from a large body of water. So in the U.S., we have the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean Sea that contain a huge body of water that can be ingested over the U.S. by large weather systems that move from west to east over the country. At the same time, you also need cool, dry air in the upper levels. In the U.S., because of the Rocky Mountains and the desert southwest, we're able to usually have a large reserve of cooler, drier air, especially in the springtime for storms to ingest and promote what's called instability or the ability for air to rise very rapidly. This combination helps fuel the generation of large thunderstorms, including supercell thunderstorms that often go on to produce tornadoes. But those ingredients by themselves aren't enough for the actual tornado. First, you need to produce the strong storm with strong air moving upward. But the strong air moving upward, while it's rotating, is not rotating at the ground. And in order to get the air to rotate at the ground, you need downward air in the storm to come down from the top of the storm, basically hit the ground, and then as it's moving along the ground, pick up additional rotational energy and then have the storm ingest that rotational energy again and pull it upward and stretch it out. And when it stretches out the rotation, the rotational speed increases and that, if everything is right, will lead to a tornado. Okay. Tornadoes come in different scales. 
official tornado rating scale in the U.S. is the Fujita scale. It ranges from F0 for weak tornadoes to F5 for the strongest tornadoes. In the past decade or so, we shifted from using the original Fujita scale to using something called the enhanced Fujita scale. The impetus for this is that structural engineers had measured how much wind speed it takes to, say, destroy a house, and they found that the amount of wind for, that's required to destroy it is less than we thought it was originally. So we had to recalibrate the scale. We've also come up with additional ways of looking at damage from trees and plants and other objects like oil drums and power lines and things like that, and use that to also try to get an estimate of how much damage a tornado causes, and then be able to rate the tornadoes that way. What's the lowest on the F scale that can actually rip a roof off of a house? A lot of this depends on how well the home is constructed. Yeah, okay. Uh, but you can start losing, like, roof tiles and stuff, even with, like, a EF1 tornado. Anything that's considered EF3 or greater tends to be ones that will cause a significant amount of damage to your house in terms of pulling the roof off or knocking the walls down or blowing out windows. With an EF4, your house will be completely destroyed and be a pile of rubble. If it's a well-built house and all of the contents of the house have been pushed off of the foundation and the foundation has been swept clean, then that's a potential sign for an EF5 tornado. Let's shift gears and move more in the direction of information and intelligence. Currently, the radar used to ascertain weather patterns is the Doppler radar, but I believe that you are working with next-generation radar called Phased Array Radar, or PAR. Can you tell our listeners what that is and how does that integrate with the artificial intelligence work that you're pursuing? current radar system in the U.S. is called the Next Radar Doppler Radar System. It was put in place in the late 80s to early 1990s, so it's been around for quite a while, and the National Weather Service and other organizations are starting to look at what will be the replacement for the current Doppler radar system. One option is something called phased array radar. The basic power of a phased array radar is that instead of being a single dish that spins around and scans the atmosphere at a relatively slow rate of about five minutes, per looking at the full volume of the atmosphere. A phased array radar contains a bunch of stationary panels that all can electronically scan the whole atmosphere very quickly at a rate of one minute per full scan. And the great benefit of this is that with uh, something like a phased array radar, you can see the whole atmosphere much more quickly. And thus, if there's a tornado coming or a supercell that's developing very quickly, you can see the precursors to the tornado happening. The downside is there's a lot more data to process. So one potential realm for the use of artificial intelligence and other big data type algorithms is that they can ingest this information and then look for those tornado precursors and patterns and then potentially identify them for the weather forecasters so they can get warnings out that much faster. Timely tornado alerts can potentially save lives, yeah? Yes. So can you explain to our listeners what it is that you're doing with your artificial intelligence? So I'm working with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and with scientists at the University of Oklahoma on developing ways of using artificial intelligence to identify hazards and weather models. So we have models of the atmosphere that show what the weather is going to be like over the next 
few days to a week, working with models that can now resolve individual supercell thunderstorms. The problem is the models don't have the resolution to see the tornadoes or hail. What I'm doing is using artificial intelligence to look at the patterns within the models and associate those patterns with when a tornado actually happens or when hail actually happens, and then turn that loose on new model data and use it to predict when tornadoes and hail are going to happen in the future. Currently, I've been focusing on improving hail prediction and have been able to run my hail models in real time for the past two years as part of a big spring forecasting experiment that is done at the University of Oklahoma. And so far, the artificial intelligence models have been able to improve on the predictive accuracy of forecasting where hail will occur. And a similar approach could be used to also forecast tornadoes in the day to hour ahead time frame, at least the general area where tornadoes are going to be more likely. And that information could then be given to places like the National Weather Service to be able to warn that tornadoes are coming. Exactly. For the hours ahead kind of lead time, you can basically tell an area that there might be tornadoes today. If you know around the time when they're going to happen too, you can change your routine in terms of, say, coming home early from school or work, or you can, there's a big outdoor event, you can close that down or have contingency plans. And that can help save lives and make it so that people are more weather aware on a given day. And then going closer to the warning level, if you have a few extra minutes lead time on seeing the tornado might happen from a given storm, then people have that much more time to get into a shelter. Sounds like the work you're doing is pretty amazing, David. I thank you very kindly for taking the time for speaking with us and our listeners. And we wish you a sunny, beautiful day. Thank you very much, Dan, and really enjoyed talking with you. Same here. give you a frame of reference, an enhanced F-Zero tornado has wind speeds between 65 and 85 miles per hour. Category EF-1 has between 86 and 110. EF-2 between 111 and 135. EF-3 between 136 and 165. Category EF-4 has wind speeds between 166 and 200, or 320 kilometers per hour. Now that's about the speed of a race car, and the incredible wind speeds of EF5 are well over 200 miles per hour. 
Since the United States experiences so many tornadoes each year, and since American volunteers are known for being quick to roll up their sleeves to offer relief, let's go speak now with the person at the helm, so to speak, of an organization which, depending on the number of disasters, coordinates the deployment of one and a half to two million disaster relief volunteers each year. On the phone, I have Greg Forrester, the president and CEO of the National Voluntary Organizations Active in Disaster, VOAD, from Washington, D.C. How are you today? I'm doing excellent. It's a fine day here in the Washington, D.C. area. How many years have you been working in disaster relief and emergency response? I've been in this work since about 1995 with my first trip going to Haiti as part of a relief team there when there was a transition in government and then have been working actively in disaster since 9-11 uh, here in the U.S. Can you tell our listeners what it is that this very long name of an organization is and what you do? We have 62 national member organizations representing really every faith walk denomination that there is in our country. And then we have an organization in every state of the United States and also every territory. And what we found is, is when we work alongside of and in conjunction with a lot of times both state and federal and local emergency management, we can actually really augment each other's services and we can provide things that government cannot do. 62 national organizations, everything from Southern Baptist to Red Cross, Salvation Army, Islamic Relief, ICNA Relief, Sioux Chi Foundation, which is a Buddhist group, and then we also have many members that are from secular organizations, such as Team Rubicon, which is made up of mostly veterans that have returned and are looking for ways to engage their knowledge and services to their communities. How many of these organizations are directly involved with tornado disaster relief? The majority of them, so in like the Southern Baptist or North American Mission Board, they do mass feeding, Red Cross does immediate response, and then all of our other members, a lot of times they'll have a local community-based response because they may have a church within the affected area, and so most of them have some kind of response within the tornado framework, whether it's an initial feeding and sheltering or it's in the cleanup and rebuilding afterwards. So when there's a tornado, how are you alerted to it and what are the steps that transpire once you're aware of a tornado? All disasters are always local, whether it's in the response or whether it's in long-term recovery. We at the national end end up as a support system for them. So yes, here in the States, we have a national alert system. So actually on my phone, as soon as an alert is put out by the National Weather Service for severe weather anywhere in the country, I actually get an alert on my phone. For myself, I normally then send out a quick email then to my local organization that's within that state or that area and making sure they are aware of it. And then we just kind of wait and see. And then after the disaster or after the storms have passed, then we do an assessment along with local emergency management to see what our response needs to be. You've been doing this for nearly two decades in one form or another. It must be a labor of love. Oh, it absolutely is. You get to the point where you know that you're helping others and helping others help others. There's no better feeling than that. 
So do you have any final comments that you'd like to share with our listeners? What we found is is every person can make a difference, whether it's a local emergency such as most commonly is a house fire, but everything to a wide flooding event to something like tornadoes striking an area. Every individual has something to offer, whether it's shelter for a neighbor, just reaching out to a friend who's been affected, or actually actively working in the recovery and rebuilding after a disaster has occurred. So really encourage everyone to get trained, to get information, and somehow get connected to their community resources so that they may actually participate in the recovery of their community. Sounds like a wonderful organization, hands helping others, hearts helping others. Greg, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time speaking with us and our listeners, and we wish you and your organization and your team an absolutely wonderful day. Thank you, Dan. appreciate the opportunity to go ahead and share. I need a helping Feeding, sheltering, and comforting tornado victims are always best done with tender, loving care. Let's speak now with one such organization that does exactly this. On the phone, I have Eddie Blockman. He is the Disaster Response Coordinator for North American Mission Board. Your organization, the NAMB, are they sponsored by Southern Baptist Disaster Relief, or how does that work? Yes, we are part of the Southern Baptist Convention and sponsored through the cooperative program, Baptists across North America and around the world. I've been active in disaster relief for 18 years. I've been at the national position for four years. We have a memorandum of understanding with American Red Cross. We are partners. We support Red Cross in any mass care feeding operations that are going on. We have 103 mobile kitchens that can cook up to a million meals a day. We also support them with shower units, laundry units that are mobile that can be moved into their sheltering and assist them there. We have child care workers that can assist in child care needs. So you must have an incredibly large team to be able to do those kinds of things. About how many volunteers do you have in your organization? Yeah, how we're set up, Dan, is that we have 42 state conventions which cover all 50 states. And within those 42 conventions or organizations, we have 60,000 trained and credentialed volunteers. That makes you probably one of the largest volunteer disaster relief response organizations. Along with the Red Cross and the Salvation Army, we're one of the three largest in the United States. Since our show is about tornadoes, let's take a closer look. Don't tornadoes go up to a Category 5 or something like that? Yes, yes. I 
I've not seen a Category 3 or above, but I've followed the track of tornadoes. I was in Moore, Oklahoma a few years back where 2,000 homes were destroyed. The track of the tornado was two kilometers wide and went for about 50 kilometers and destroyed everything in its path pretty much. That, to me, sounds a lot like what just recently happened in Wisconsin and Oklahoma. The tornado came through and just leveled everything. When you show up after a tornado like that, Give us a visual description of what you see and what are the first things that you start to do and what it's like. We are prepared, you know, with our National Weather Service in America. They have tornado probability, and if it's a high Torcon, our teams are already alerted that they may say, Oklahoma, let's take Elk City. Oklahoma Baptist Disaster Relief already knew that that day they had a potential of responding to tornado damage. So they had teams ready. After the tornado goes through, we coordinate with the local community emergency manager, a government official. If the area is clear for us to go in, our teams will go in. The local governments recognize our credentials, and that's important for the training. We will go in to the community with assessors. Our assessors will go to homes, either doing the survey or homeowners may request us to come into the community and assist them. We have chaplains with the assessment team that's there to help and assist the affected families in the community. We try to get them back to a new normal. We'll cut trees down off their roofs, out of their driveways or their entrances. We'll make sure they can have access to their properties. We'll patch roofs if we can. If it's totally destroyed, we will move all the debris to where the local governments tell us. And when we come to the families, all we do is we share with them what services we can bring to assist them, and they'll sign an agreement for us to work. This is all at no cost to anybody. Our volunteers come for free and just offer a service to the families. We'll hit the ground running as soon as we can. And we stay till the last assigned job is done. So typically, how long is that? Probably two to three weeks in a minimum. You mentioned the Wisconsin tornado. They're probably going to be about a week and a half in that cleanup. The Elk City, Oklahoma tornado teams have been on the ground for about two weeks or more. So typically a three-week response. Because there's a lot of different organizations other than ours that are also at work. So we all work together to get the communities back to begin to rebuild their homes. And what's the response from the victims? Oh, they're overwhelmed. Their response is, why did you come do this? It's our mission. It's our call as Christians to help your brother for the, the Good Samaritan response. I've had people physically break down and could not believe. I had one lady, uh, she had just uh, redone her kitchen, and they gave her an estimate of $20,000. That was just to tear everything out and get it ready to rebuild. She couldn't believe that we were going to do it for free. She was a widow, and that's something I didn't mention. Most of our work and our top priorities are for the vulnerable population. We're looking at older senior adults, widows. We're looking at single moms. We're looking at those that may not have insurance for their property. That's our first priority is to help the vulnerable population. Like you said, a lot of people can pick themselves up. 
but we're looking for the person that can't. That sounds absolutely fabulous, what you do. Do you have any final comments about why one should volunteer? I've been doing this 18 years, and it is a true blessing in my life. I'm not happy of the situation that I have to go into, but it brings joy that I'm able to bring the volunteers and the resources to assist families that are hurting and to be able to bring that to their lives. Our motto in Southern Baptist Disaster Relief is that we bring help, hope, and healing. Amen. Eddie, what you do sounds fabulous, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart, and we wish you a wonderful day. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. According to the NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, most U.S. tornadoes, around 77%, are considered weak from EF0 to EF1. And about 95% of all United States tornadoes are below enhanced EF3 intensity. Although tornadoes can hit anywhere, any time of year, The height of the U.S. tornado season typically begins around the month of May each year and continues through the middle of the summer. So actually, right now is the middle of tornado season. Since 1980, around 20 to 30,000 shelters have been built in these high-risk zones, according to the Wind Science and Engineering Research Center. And it is estimated that approximately 10,000 lives are saved each year due to the use of shelters along with solid emergency plans. planning to travel anywhere through Tornado Alley during this time of year, be sure to get yourself an emergency preparedness plan. The address on the internet is www.ready.gov backslash tornadoes. 
This is an official website of the Department of Homeland Security, and their logo reads, Prepare, Plan, Stay Informed. Those 1,000 or so tornadoes which hit every year cause an average of 1,500 injuries, and unfortunately, approximately 70 deaths are directly attributed to these devastating tornadoes each and every year. As we heard today, volunteers are necessary and in need. The most precious help people can give is their heartfelt time. So if any of you listeners out there have ever wondered if volunteering your time could truly make a difference, then this message is for you. Please contact a volunteer organization which appeals to you today. On behalf of the folks here at Radio Laura, we wish you pleasant skies and a beautiful day to start volunteering. Thank you.